0: The content here is for informational purposes only, should not be taken as legal, business, tax, or investment advice, or be used to evaluate any investment or security, and is not directed at any investors or potential investors in any A16Z fund. For more details, please see A16Z.com disclosures.
1: Awesome. All right. This will be good. Um, okay. So look, what I'm going to do is I will introduce uh, very briefly the four of you. Um, all of you have, I think in your profiles, the companies you're a part of and people can learn more, but one of the things that unites, uh, all of you, uh, and Jeff, who's, who's doing this with me is that in a world where Twitter is a buzz with product-led growth and self-serve enterprise and co- sort of consumer prize modalities, um, we have three wonderful founders uh, along with the CEO of Iterable, Jeff Samuels. We have Deidre, uh, who is the CEO and founder of WorkBoard. We have Boris, who's CEO and founder of Census, and Ian, the CEO and founder of ChartHop. All of your companies have a more traditional, with a modern twist, but traditional enterprise selling motion where you have salespeople involved, you have implementations, uh, and you have world-class marketing engines at various stages of your company where marketing is bringing people awareness or teaching them about it. And I thought maybe what we would do is rather than try to boil the ocean, um, Jeff, maybe I would start with you and say, look, Jeff, you, you and I knew each other because we worked together at OpenDS my company. Then you went off to run the security business, uh, the marketing for the security business at Cisco, which is one of the largest security organizations in the world, it was a massive marketing organization. Uh, and then you went off to be COO of Iterable, which is a very large company. And you have seen every iteration and instantiation of a marketing organization and the modern marketing organization. Um, And so I was gonna have you give us an overview of what that modern marketing organization looks like. And before I do that, I just wanna give a quick note that like all of the A16Z clubhouse rooms, uh, this conversation is being recorded. For those of you who are interested in coming up to chat, if we bring people up to ask questions, or if you're participating, You're consenting to us using your words and profile image in a future recording uh, related to this event. And with that, uh, oh, and we have Steven Sanofsky, the world famous, sorry, how could I forget? Our favorite Steven Sanofsky, who has run all aspects of go-to-market and product uh, and led massive organizations at Microsoft through the go-go years of uh, Office and Windows, and we'll chime in with his depth of expertise and views of enterprise selling and go-to-market. Uh, so thanks for being with us, Stephen, also. Sure. Of course, so Jeff, why don't you tell us, what does the modern marketing organization look like? Walk people, for people that just think marketing is about doing ads or writing a white paper, What what are the actual functions of a modern marketing organization?
0: Yeah no yeah, it's no. it's i think it's the right the right conversation to start having um and i'm really uh, really glad to be here so i would say that the successful modern marketing organization and this really it doesn't sort of matter the size of the company obviously you're going to put weight in different areas but at a high level it's ridiculously specialized and i'll get into the specialization in a second it's deeply technical and and when i say technical is like it uh, like marketers understand how your customers use and are successful with those products at a deep level, and they're the perfect blend of data-driven and creative. So, like that's like that's 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 a unicorn in and of itself, and it's a tall order. But like when you start unpacking those specialized marketing centers of excellence, you know you have to think about how to organize them, how to think, and there's no one way to do it, right? And that's really really important. So I'm not necessarily talking about orgs, but I'm talking about functions. Now you can um, and people do. Um, create orgs this way but i'm just going to go through like i have like sort of six areas um and at a high level this is how sort of i think about the structure you know number one is this demand creation and that's like educating the market about why they need your product or service um, and driving qualified pipeline to an enterprise or not or smb sales team you know we talked about you know the the sort of the opposite of product driven growth is is you know more lead to sales and enterprise sales uh, growth um, and typically the digital world sits here creating opportunities for these teams account based marketing can sit in demand creation and it can get very very specialized the next one is product marketing and this is telling the story of your product and positioning your product and by extension the narrative of your company. It really blends itself into strategy in a lot of ways. What does the customer want today and what does the customer want tomorrow? Um, and to lead these larger conversations, you have positioning, you have pricing in here, messaging, core content creation can all sit under product marketing. Enablement can also be under here when you try about, think about enabling different parts of the go-to-market teams. You know, the next part of is, is system and operations. And, and this is like developing the technical platforms that allow Decision makers to benchmark performance, measure results, gain insight into customer relationships. Um, this is really the, the, the tech stack, but it's also more than that. And it's really important when you start thinking about um, uh, uh, pipeline-driven growth. It's like creating a growth model where you're instead of saying, "Hey, I want to grow, you know, 100%. I want this much ARR, you know, and like, and you're going to do it. I need this many salespeople." You're actually building a model. Using all the data that you have to say this is how much pipeline we need, and that pipeline-driven growth model. I mean, we've used it, David, at OpenEDS. We used it at Cisco, at a two-billion-dollar company. It really doesn't matter, but it really informs sort of you know leading indicators as much as possible. Um, the fourth area is more corporate marketing, so that's strengthening the brand through amplification and activation, you know, AR, public relations, and there's there's storytelling here in a material way. Um, you know, the, the 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 fifth area is 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 like customer marketing, and and this is I think a, a, a newer core competency, but it's really important, um, especially in product-driven growth companies on expansion marketing. And and customer marketing has its own Elements of, of pipeline review and and telling the customer story to get expansion, and the last one is definitely more probably more important in the in the pre COVID world, but it's like field and channel operations, like working on sites, you know, uh, through social and communication platforms to connect to markets to prosecute demand sometimes instead of just creating demand. So those are like the the six areas as I see, it. and as you can see, they get very sophisticated. And this is David one of the reasons why it's very hard. Uh, it's hard to be a marketer and be responsible for all these things. So one of the things I'd love to understand is like, how do people unpack this to make it successful?
1: I think that was an awesome, awesome overview. I love the idea of talking about customer marketing. I think. Lots of people forget, especially in these subscription businesses, that when you sell a customer for the first time, like that's, that is, like that's a great achievement, but what really matters is that renewal dollar and the subsequent dollars. And like, we're not gonna get into all the aspects of the customer life cycle, but customer marketing is, a, I think, a under-invested part of that customer life cycle. And usually the marketing team's focused on that, that sales engagement, like you talked about, sort of creating the awareness. And uh, maybe we can talk about that. It'd be great to hear from uh, Deidre or Boris or Ian about the the parts of the marketing org um, that are sort of top of mind for them. And I, I can certainly, throughout this, talk about the superpowers that I think all of you have in those different uh, marketing disciplines. But uh, with Jeff's overview, where, where should we dig in? I wouldn't
2: chime in to Jeff's overview and say, I, I think one of the overlooked um, experiences I have, and I think maybe others do as well, is how truly central, fabulous product marketing is to all of the other functions in marketing. Like If the messages that we spend money promoting, uh, that we syndicate out, if those messages are anemic or misguided or random acts of enthusiasm or not hardened in value, it's like a lot of money wasted on not... A lot of movement and and product marketing has such an important role to play there. Um, and I so I think it, it, it for us anyway that that's a central organizing thesis that the product marketing, the intersection of our product and the value of the market and the customer get from it is source to what gets syndicated out and optimized through the other functions in the marketing org.
3: I feel like <clears throat> that touches on Maybe my brain is just hyper tuned to interconnections, but it sounds, you know, when Jeff's introducing all these various parts of the marketing run org, and you're talking about product marketing being, you know, the the core fuel without which all those other ones won't succeed, and the life cycle is so long, I think they're just, what I hear is that they're all interconnected and and you can't really model one alone. Uh, like One will not work without the other, and you have to be able to hand off across them, and you have to model your kind of, I hate to say this, but you know, your customer journey is something you have to kind of think about more and more as a company, uh, which I, I, I don't feel was something I, I, I saw people do uh, as rigorously a few years ago.
4: Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. And it's more so than just the journey. It's the experience. You know, every touch point with a customer, whether they're a prospect who's engaging with the brand you know, um, upfront, and they're not a customer or they're maybe they're a user of your product who's not the buyer and is just someone who's interacting with your product. It all has to feel like every touch point someone has with, with, with my company, with ChartHop, we want it to feel like a ChartHop experience throughout that journey. And that's really critical because consumer experiences have just changed how B2B buyers expect to engage with companies. There's just a whole different expectation. And, and marketing as a function cannot just help create that brand and that alignment, but can help create across the, the entire experience, making sure that every, every time you touch a customer or user, it feels like your brand.
0: I think that's I think that's spot on. Two things that come out from from those comments. One is that like yeah, I think marketing fails when the the the, the orgs that I mentioned are siloed. There's no doubt about that. Like that is just the worst. The, the other thing, it's interesting, and I'd love to hear how you all think about this customer journeys, right? Like, do you have a customer journey for your company? Do you does does product have one, and then marketing, and then sales? Like, how do you think about customer journey as it relates to the marketing functions that 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 we've been mentioning?
1: Before before we go to that, I, I actually think the product marketing um, role is one worth digging into. And I one of the things that I think it's the hardest role to hire for actually in a company. The founder, some founders are really good at product marketing, and then it's very hard to hire that role. Some founders are not great at product marketing; they're great at other things, and they don't know how to hire for it. I'd love to hear how you think one goes about figuring out how to like, how do you hire for a world-class product marketer? I agree. It's the central nervous system. And, and, and it's not just that, like, you know, one thing I've seen is when companies get product marketing, right? Recruiting gets better because people are telling the story of the company better and yeah. candidates get more excited, right? Like it's, it's, it is, it is the, the heartbeat of the way you talk about your company. So how do you, how do you hire a great product marketer? Man, it's super
2: hard. I think it's one of the hardest hires. One of the reasons it's really hard hire is if you're like fabulous product marketer, you're going to go start your own company, right? Because one of the things you bring to fabulous is you can see the opportunity. You can see the intersection of your product and your buyer and where value gets created. And, and then, you know, look at our environment. That's what you do next is start something, right? And so they're all sucked out of the market or, they're the best CMOs in the world, and then they're getting jobs as the best CEOs in the world. And I think scarcity is first and foremost, but one of the biggest challenges there. But it, we we have um, small product marketing team, fabulous people in the chairs. One of them is a um, what I think maybe more common way is someone who's um, grown internally. So in that case, we took the person from the field. And they had deep expertise, winning large business with customers and delivering value to those customers, understood it really well, and then moved into product marketing. Just a recent person joining the team, also Sharp product marketer also came out of the field. right? And I think that we know, we've seen the selling edge and the value edges are really, really important in part because they just, they they create a depth of understanding that is the source of great message, great value proposition and great scale.
3: I mean, I tend to, I agree it's hard and I tend to look, especially when you're in the transition points from, let's call it founder led marketing or founder led everything to, to, to having a team in place. And this is obvious, but I, I really look for passion above all else uh, for the, for the problem, for the domain. And Deirdre, you're right. Like they probably would want to start their own thing if, if, if when they have enough passion about the space, but uh, you know, th- they have to love it for its own sake, almost more than the, the the company. And then the company is just a vessel for, for getting the message across.
4: And uh, the criticality of product marketing, I mean, to that point, like, you know, we just hired a, a CMO. And when you go looking for a uh as an experienced uh marketing leader you definitely you, there's there are profiles who are really really uh come up in demand gen and profiles that are much more on brand um we really looked for and hired someone who was really really strong on product marketing because we knew that had to come from from the leadership um in in the function uh so i i, I definitely think totally agree, mission critical. And if you can find somebody great, uh, you hire that person and 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 give them a lot to do so they don't start their own company.
1: You know, Steven, yeah. t- can you tell us a little bit, so Steven, you've had a long career at Microsoft, um, had a long career at Microsoft, and you know, some companies put product marketing in the product org. Sometimes they live in marketing. So a lot of product marketers, I mean, we just heard from Deidre, they come from the field and closer to the customer. But I certainly know a lot of product marketers that are, that are hardcore PMs, that are product people, like how, how, I would love to hear how your thinking either has evolved or if it's been consistent about what makes for a great product marketer. I I just think that search is one of the hardest searches that the companies in our portfolio do, and it, it goes on forever. And I don't think they always can calibrate on what, what, what a great product marketer should be.
5: Yeah, I think that the the thing for me that, that makes in a sense having that sort of breakthrough moment in doing the search, which is the breakthrough is being able to hire somebody and somebody wanting to work, is really having the the boss. And this could be a boss in a big company, like me hiring the person to do marketing, or it could be the founder, who is the product-led founder is really making sure you have clarity on the tools that the marketing person is going to have access to to become successful because what i found is is that you know very often in the very strong product led organizations if you try to bring in a, a head of marketing who wants to influence the product a great deal then there's going to be a bunch of friction in in at that seam at the very very top of the organization and at the same time if the founder isn't willing to say to the marketing person hey i'm i'm okay if you don't talk about this part of the product that i worked really hard on because you've found that it's not really the thing that's going to drive new customers you know if you're not willing to let go and let the marketing leader develop a positioning and a and a approach you again you're going to have that friction and it, if that friction is at the very top it becomes almost impossible to solve with any organization beneath that so it's it's really in a sense defining those you know for lack of a better word like swim lanes and and who is going to ultimately have the ability to influence or utilize different aspects of the product the price the place the promotion of of the whole go to market
3: steven can i push you on this on one thing since uh i have the privilege of having worked in your organization once upon a time
5: uh, uh, I don't know. Is this going to go really poorly for me? Cause otherwise <laughs> don't, don't.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, the, the nowadays, you know, it feels like almost every company I work with or, or am around and especially in developer tools, et cetera, have a community angle to them. Right. And the, I, I was kind of raised on the developer evangelists and product evangelists are kind of their own category within marketing. And we didn't bring that up as a, as a, as a category when Jeff kind of listed out this amazing set, how do you think about that role and, and how that connects to, is that product marketing or is that really its own discipline and where is the line if it's its own discipline?
5: Well, the, the, the key thing for me, the way that I think of it is, and I'll go back to Jeff's earlier point about sort of these, the six roles is you, it, it doesn't really matter where any particular function resides in a broad organization. Cause there's always going to be some seam somewhere what matters is, is that all of the, the tools are understood as to who does what. And so you, 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 know, you could put community in, you know, in the middle of a PM organization, or you could put community in the middle of the marketing organization, or you could put community hanging off the CEO covering all the products. But the trick is making sure no one else is doing community at the same time. And often simply because of that organizational decision. And so this gets back to like, if you hire a head of marketing who thinks that community is the most important thing, but you won't give them community as a responsibility, then over time, they're either going to be very frustrated with the community organization that it's happening so, you know, organizationally far away, or they're going to create their own sort of community-like effort and just confuse things because they just want to be successful and use the tools that they know. And so it's this, you know, you you kind of can take a, a whiteboard approach and make a list of all of the tools that you will utilize in building the product and bringing it to market and working with customers after the sale, and then just decide who gets to use which ones. And I, I think that's a a cleaner way to think about not just the the staffing and org, but the hiring process itself.
0: Yeah, I I really like that approach. You know, the idea is organizational design should be almost the last part of of what you do right you know you think about the strategy the outcomes you want and you know the, the talent that you have and 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 the the execution engines that you want to drive and then figure out where you put things to make sure that you're not you're not having duplication, and you're not having silos, and you're making sure that whatever your org design is, it's going to accelerate, reduce friction from your outcomes. I think the way that, the community is a perfect example. It can sit in, it can sit in engineering, right? It like it almost doesn't matter as long as you're intentional about it.
2: Can we riff, um,
1: can, oh, go ahead? Go, go for it, Deidre What's up? I
2: was going to say, can we riff on community a, a bit because we're we're talking about where it sits, but it, we could talk a little bit more about. Like what its impact is and what value velocity it might create. For us, Absolutely. it's a giant thing, right? Like the community is how we shape point of view, community is part of customer marketing, community is part of category creation. It's really, really potent for us, right? Which is not a developer community, but and then what's in the community effort, I think, has um, varies by who's your community, right? But for us, it's this network—it's a bunch of certification programs, it's professional development programs, it's events that bring people together in really large groups and really small groups. It's in a sense a volunteer army of people who share our belief and, and enthusiasm uh, for the same thing. We share enthusiasm for, and it's it it's underrated in its impact <laughs> and think, its potency.
1: I think it's an awesome topic. So let me let me just um, set the stage for people that are joining us. We are talking about the modern enterprise marketing org. Um, We just talked about the criticality of product marketing. I think we all agree that hiring a product marketer is very, very hard. Um, And uh, I think shifting the two topics we want to cover, we're going to jump into community right now, um, as well as sort of in in the role that that plays. and and what that means in a modern marketing organization and sort of in the funnel of creating opportunities and leads and and ultimately, one, an expanding business. Um, And then we're going to talk about data in the marketing organization, because, you know, as Jeff mentioned in his marketing overview at the beginning, we are now in a world where the marketing organization now has deep specialization. Um, And there are the, you know, I I actually learned this from Jeff, there's the um, ammunition and there's the artillery. And so the product marketing is often the ammunition. That's the content, the messaging, what you're saying and how you want to say it and ideally who you want to say it to. And then there's the artillery, which is all the tooling to run campaigns and programs. And then what what becomes really important is measuring it and being able to move it through a customer lifecycle journey. Um And so we'll talk about that after. but let's let us, let's let's dive into the community thing because it it means a lot of things to a lot of people. You know it could be everything from how Apple used to give Macintoshes to kids in elementary school so that when they would grow up, they would want to have Macs. Um, it could be how Cisco did uh, networking certifications. and then when those people got jobs in IT, they just bought Cisco because that's all they knew. Um, or it could be these things where it's part of open source projects and developer communities where people learn and and grow, or HR professionals learn best practices. And I'd love to hear, you know, from from Ian and and Boris and, and Deidre what you're all doing now, how you think about community and and what you're doing, and then more importantly, how do you tie it to your actual go-to-market funnel?
3: Oh boy, I love this. Uh, so, as you know, for me as a maker of products, right? I, I think of the product's true purpose is to make mostly because we're tool builders to make you know someone else our user our customer like a more awesome version of themselves right and to me what deirdre said i see all the time in the communities that we operate in is there's a there's a desire to to share the the kind of the love that comes out of being more empowered in your job or in your career or in your discipline and that's really what our product is about and and so we <laughs> we've been we've actually thought about this almost since the day the first day of like how do we organize this how do we help them and it's not about us the product it's about the the kind of new responsibilities and capabilities these people are accomplishing in their job that you know they should do whether or not we exist we're just a catalyst for it and so do we do we find them where they are do we do we have to create the space for them and then how do you foster that where I so for me like we've spent a lot of our time thinking more about what users of ours do we elevate to be uh, you know front and center rather than us and and we do that in spaces that already exist so we didn't create our own space but again that's a particular quirk of our company and how how our market has has been evolving we are able to do that but I absolutely think about it in that in in, in that sense of like it, it's a almost as a customer life cycle I, I think it's more instinctive than than. And intentional, uh, but it's, I think of it, it's about highlighting what our users accomplish. Uh, uh, and our, our tool is just a small part of that story. And that's where I feel like community plays into us, for us.
4: We try to create some ways that customers can share best practices. I mean, you know, creating a Slack channel in the community uh, where we have a pretty, we have a, a, a product which is, uh, has a lot of, a lot of depth, a lot of layers, a lot of things that people can can learn to do. Um, and so when we started holding some, some webinars where we share uh, just some of the, the, the things, the deeper ways you can use hop to drive automation and all org, uh, all org experiences and profiles and all kinds of calculations and things, that, that created a lot of just excitement within the customer base. We're still at a point where for us, the universe of customers that could be using our product relative to the ones who are, we wanna make sure that every single one of the customers who are using the product are incredible fans and highly referenceable um, chart hop cheerleaders for us. So really focusing on making sure from the customer success side partnering with the marketing side to make sure that we build up uh, ways customers can share with each other and ask and answer questions has been big for us in our in our early going here
1: but that, that's a post sales thing what about are you engaging in a community pre-sales pre-sales we really
4: try to tap into a lot of the existing communities our buyer is usually the head of hr hr buyers have like our our networks, you know, it's it's what they love to do is is share tech that they're using and, and best practices. So we try to align along some of those existing networks. You know, for example, um, you know, People Tech Partners was an early uh you know uh network for us where we got a lot of the uh a lot of the community of uh of people leaders at at that set of companies, we're really sharing and recommending to each other. But we have not created a pre-sale chart hop community. Um, we've really focused on the, the post-sale for tips and best practices.
2: That makes sense, particularly for who you sell to, right? There are really, really strong communities in place for uh, HR professionals. In, in our case, they're there was no existing professionals. And so a big part of our community um, effort and the strategy around it was to stand up the community of professionals. And we, we have a label around it that's called Results Foundry. Community is about 7,000 strong right now. And it's the elements of the community program. It, it's staffed. There's people who only drive this community. It, so it's there's four different levels of certification Those, David, those are driving new opportunities into the funnel and they accelerate people in the funnel already faster to a buy. There's events almost monthly, really large and small. Jeff is speaking at one in two weeks, which is really cool. There's a journey center where they can share assets with each other and see how others have traveled the same journey. There's job boards and job descriptions where people can find new roles, uh, building on the Uh, expertise they developed in the community and as part of those professional certifications and find new opportunities. And right now, about 600 people a quarter get new certification in one of these programs. So that community is growing really quickly. And it's, it's a really important part of new business, building awareness, accelerating our first uh, customer win with a company and then arming and enabling expansion post-sale where it's probably got an even bigger kind of footprint on our our ARR growth.
0: Just just, uh, listening to this is interesting. You know, when you talk about community and this also will fit to org where it fits in an org potentially, do you think of community building as Top of the funnel, or funnel accelerating, or is it adjacent to the funnel, and you know, just to be a force multiplier on who you are as a brand and a community, and maybe even for future future. Um, but it's it's interesting. Like when you think about it, like the OKR community, like you can talk about you know getting people excited about this, regardless of if they're using your product, right, and that's going to pay dividends down the road. Or you can do what you're doing in terms of getting people to use it more and a user community. Um, it's just uh, it was for just us It's, it's
2: top of funnel, right? that that's the biggest impact of it. And our, our businesses in any given quarter, 50% of our new bookings are from existing customers. So our land and expand motion is very real and very balanced. So it's, it, whether it's driving, uh, people say, oh, I know I want to look for an OKR thing. We're thinking about doing that. I want to be the person who does that in my company. How do I get smart? Well, it, I go to a certification program that is promising to get me smart in two days and I join this community of thousands of people who are willing to share. And then we that starts our relationship and it starts it from a trusted, helpful place, which moves us quicker through a first win with that company and that customer. And then the other side of that, they send 25 more teammates to the certification program, which helps us expand our ARR and our value to that customer. And so I, I think of it as a giant and, and it's not it's not to build brand. I think of brand building as a byproduct of helping people from the very first moment they think about this journey through a truly optimized experience and an outcome of the journey.
3: That's a really good setup, I gotta say. Um, yeah. For me, it's like, I just feel like people wanna be part of a movement, right? Like humans wanna be part of a movement and, and they wanna do that even outside of their own company and and you know this past year has been a clear evidence that like people want to join whatever you want to call it their guilds uh, of people that have like minds and and it helps to give them a direction that the industry is going or their their field is going in that is larger than just you know our product
2: totally totally and yeah our product is very little in our community it's not the th- it's not the thing, right? The business process is the thing. The potential is the thing that is connecting and, and bringing people together. And I think the other thing that happens is the people who join in that community tend to be the change agents and the early adopters. They're like the tip of the spear for uh, whatever the larger uh, market that you're trying to lead into and, and movement's perfect word for what it is
5: what one way to build on that one way that i think is super interesting to sort of measure that notion is is if the product you're selling becomes somebody's job then you know that you've tapped into the 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 right level of of sort of influential end user or influential um customer because they come to work you know they start work in the morning and then your tool is the first thing they do. And when there's a problem, they think, how can I solve that with the tool? And all the great products that took over the enterprise in a sense were and were products that they're job descriptions. You know, they they are, I'm the person who does this. And to to the point about being a movement, the those people create the notion that this is a whole job using this tool. And, and I think that that's where you get that real emotional connection and investment because it's like, this is my job. It's using this tool.
4: We always love it when we see one of our customers has posted, um, like they're posting for a job rec and they say, you know, familiarity with tools like chart. Yeah. That's crazy. Using Chart-Hop. That's like oh, the, the, best, the best feeling the when greatest. you that.
5: That's, that's exactly it. And it. It literally goes back to the first people who wrote, like, I can use Lotus one, two, three as a spreadsheet. And it became like, you could get an MBA, but if you didn't use one, two, three, you weren't going to get a job. And, and that is anyone
3: have a timer on Steven busting that out, uh,
5: (laughs) but, but that, you know, it's, it's sort of like when you see your product show up in a LinkedIn profile, like then you've made it like it's a magic moment
1: yeah that that is a special that that does feel really good like that that experience means you've done something that someone else thinks is really important one of the interesting in, in, insights here from what Ian and Boris and Deidre were saying that I think is a useful takeaway is that you know I, Ian has a product that there is existing communities that are that are already talking about this kind of technology and best practices and so he's tapped into those communities and Whereas, you know, what Daydre is doing, people have read about OKRs, they maybe know about OKRs. There's a lot of chief of staff kind of roles and people in biz ops roles and line of business leaders. They want to learn more. And so, but you have to, you know, like we know in the enterprise that oftentimes if you build it, Like they will not come, but maybe if you build the community, they will come. And then they end up becoming those buyers. And, you know, Boris and I have talked, I have the benefit of knowing what all all three companies do and and who they sell to. And, you know, Boris is charting what is going to be a key part of every marketing and growth organization in the future. But for a lot of those people that lives in different places and nobody maybe when before census existed actually knew that that was part of their job we know it'll be part of their job in the future. And so community becomes this thing, you have to create that community, you have to create that guild. And I think it's really important for founders to know, do you, is it better to do what ChartHop has done in which is to go find those existing HR communities and go and engage them where they are? Or does your audience need a place to find out, do they, are, they, are they out there you know, in the ether looking for a home the way that Deidre and, and Boris are starting to do, and Deidre has certainly done in creating a gravitational center that then ultimately makes people more excited about OKRs, trained in OKRs, learning about OKRs, or in Boris's case, about making data actionable and figuring out how to bring that into a company that says it wants to be data driven, but doesn't know what that means. And uh, founders need to understand what 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 side of that equation do they want to be on and, and then drive that that way. And I think that's probably critical. There's, there's companies, I don't know, Boris, have you seen things like Orbit.love? Is that something that's relevant yeah, to, yeah. to your business? Yes, do you want to explain what Orbit is? explain <laughs> it's
3: on our list of integrations to build at this point. Um, yeah, so Orbit's a really neat uh, product. It's I mean a simple way to describe it would probably be it's it's kind of like a CRM for communities uh, and and it really just I, 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 in my whole life, I, I don't think I ever came across anyone really thinking about that as a tool, as a product to be built. And uh, it, it's so it gives you kind of all the things you'd want as a community manager to be able to highlight people in your team. Or uh, that are operating in your Slack communities or on the web, and and it, they actually have a really cool way of defining your level of engagement. So that they've kind of modeled the community engagement uh, as a you know one two three four five six, so you can almost get your own like certification of your own community of like it is evolving in in these in this in this way, and and you know it allows you to turn that into a metric, which is really really useful, and it's really just a metric for how much people love
1: you know, the the thing that you work on, which is pretty great to measure. You know, are there tools out there? I'd, be, I'd love to hear if there are there tools out there, other than, I mean, Orbit.love is, is one of them, but are there tools out there that help people get, basically take their community and actually help that drive lead creation or opportunity creation, not sort of ephemerally or, or anecdotally, but actually in the creation of leads that ultimately then flow to sales, has anyone seen things like that? <laughs> I don't think I've seen a tool. We definitely have a
3: lot of users who do that. So this is an interesting quirk of working on our product, right? So census, you know, disseminates and federates data within an organization specifically for marketing and sales. So people do, do that. So they'll they'll you know they'll sc- scrape a Slack community or go to the website and or or just monitor their existing the one that they own and and pull that data down. The problem. I'll say is like the art of it is it's one thing to be able to track that and, and engage with those users in automated ways and put that into your sales funnel in a very formal way. You just have to be conscious to Deirdre's point of like not betraying the, the the point of that community, right? It, It can't just be a, Oh, you've entered this community. You will now be like funneled into the sales machine. And so it's really about determining what are the signals that make that person amenable to that, to that sales conversation or that, that kind of retargeting, uh, uh, of advertising, but yeah, we have customers that do that. It's kind of pretty, pretty neat. So you'll start belonging to a community and suddenly you'll get like retargeting for like the product that, that is, you know, involved in the community. And then, and eventually that'll enter enter into like an outbound email campaign as well.
1: I'm going to ask Jeff this does, does marketing, do marketing organizations need engineers? I'm listening to Boris and I'm like, okay, that's, that's code that's work. So. You talked about the modern marketing org, but you didn't say engineers. How does that happen? How do, how do these tools all come together? Yeah,
0: I, I think um, they need access to engineers. I, I think, you know, uh, Mike Interval does a lot with large B2C companies. Um, and um, the, the, the ones that are most successful have a data team or access to that team. And, and again, you know, going back to org org structure, it, like you just have to have an org design that allows for the sophistication to be built so the answer is absolutely they, they, to, to do the sophistication that you all are talking about which is amazing you're gonna need sort of the technical know-how to to drive that i would say that like like and i think and i think boris was was sort of saying that as well is that like It is, it's, it is, the the tech is sort of like, it needs to happen from an engineering perspective. But a lot of times this is where a marketing org turns into a product management org and build the programs to actually achieve that. But once they do that, it can be really hard if you do not have the technical expertise to actually program it and enable it and build that, you know, modern growth
3: stack to enable it.
2: My... Okay, just
3: in case that wasn't clear.
2: Sorry, I was going to say my, Jeff, to your point, my uh, marketing leader right now has an awesome line, which is just uh so true marketing gets data math and testing it doesn't get opinions like the only things we get to work with are (laughs) like real fags real math real data sets
3: that's nice that's a good line i don't know what the coca-cola brand marketing people would say but that's a good line uh (laughs) i was just gonna second for sure just in case I, i think jeff you said it just right but in case there are marketing leaders in the sightings who misinterpreted it for their own gain, you don't get to hire engineers on the marketing team, and nor should you. Uh, that's a bad idea from a, from a org design perspective. What you do need is a seamless way to kind of get the information and the data and the insights that you need to, to build these, these programs. And luckily, there is a good org design for that, which is around having a data team. And there are good tools for that, which is you know, what we work on.
1: I, I agree with not putting engineers in the marketing org. Despite the temptation to feel like you have dedicated resources, it feels like it goes goes sideways quickly, It um, certainly has the potential to. But where ta- Boris, you you are the I would say like the frontier of sort of data driven marketing and data driven sales and basically data making data actionable. Where are organizations like? What is the best practice today? for a company that, you know, a lot of people have these like growth teams or they have they have data teams and data scientists and those data scientists are usually not sort of in the line of, of sort of production, so to speak. There's engineering teams, like how, what is, what is working in, the, in sort of the best customers and the best companies out there in terms of actually trying to become, you know, not just the cliche data driven, but actually like data driven and data actionable.
3: Yeah, this is, a, it's a I mean, this is, I could zoom in on this forever, but let's let's see if I can summarize it. So we get to work with, yeah, we get to work with really great companies, right? That that everyone thinks about as having, you know, just nailed everything, you know, Figma, Airtable, like these kinds of companies. And honestly, everyone's still on a journey of improvement, which is exciting because it means that there's still room for all of us to, to get better as, as companies and in, including as marketing teams, but broadly speaking as, as go-to-market teams. So what I've seen is the first level that a lot of companies have not yet reached is, is basically stating as a, as a leadership team that your data organization, which today is nebulous, but I'll, I'll clarify what goes into that, uh, should serve not just the, let's call it the finance team and the product team, which is usually what they serve, but also every go-to-market team, right? So support, sales, marketing. It, that's the first thing, and most companies don't have that, which is where you get these, like, we should hire our own engineers, and we should do our own thing, and we should build our own little stack, and and you end up in a in a bad place because, to your point earlier, everything is interconnected, right? Product marketing needs to feed uh, uh, um, growth marketing, and all of this is, like, fed by signals coming out of the product and the community, so all of this needs to be connected. So, the only way to solve for that is, like, a hub-and-spoke kind of design, so you need to have a data team that serves all these groups. and. Then gets into like what I see a different, like different companies are doing different things right now. I don't think we've settled on what is the kind of correct org structure, but those data teams tend to have three, three components, right? Which is like, let's say core engineering capability, like analytics capability and data science capability. And they have to like treat every, like they have to treat the marketing team as a core stakeholder and serve them in such a way that they can self-service, right? That's the, that's the really ultimate point, which is if the inter if the interface between your data team and your marketing team is a chart, which is honestly what I think it is in 95% of organizations, then a you're not truly data driven. You're maybe, maybe you're making quarterly data-driven decisions, but like you're not data driven. And two, like the marketing team will constantly feel that frustration of like not being able to experiment. And and so that needs to turn into like a, a tighter loop. And and ultimately, like, the companies that do this really well is you see this in growth teams. And so if you want to if you want to think of who to who to replicate in B two B enterprise go to market, you want to replicate high scale B two C. You want to replicate what TikTok, Facebook, and Google do when it comes to kind of engaging with users, right? And th- that's growth teams. I think pioneered most of this, and I think they think in an engineering minded way. And you just need to take that culture and apply it to marketing, sales etc. And like this is what's happening bit by bit in our industry. And that's that's what I get to see in the companies I work with.
5: One thing to to build on that, one thing that I've seen that is just super important is you is to just treat the all of this work as the product work. And get out of the mode of like this is a shared resource and they're they're capped at what they need to do and everybody's going to get a little piece of it because once you sort of send that message, then nobody's quite sure how they make the trade-offs of what goes in to, you know, who gets how much of what. And, and so if you make sure everybody understands that, like, not everybody can get everything done that they want. So then how is it, what's the process by which trade-offs are made? And how does everybody contribute to that? Knowing that there's this sort of, this is the team that owns this part of building the product. And I I just, I I see so much.
3: I actually agree, totally.
5: Because I I just, I see so much tension over this notion that there's a data team and they serve five groups and it's all this very mysterious process as to which groups get 20%, which gets 40, how do they make their trade-offs? And it's very, very frustrating and tension ridden internally, which is weird because it's like, you know, the team doing the front end or the UI or the iOS app is just as limited and serves just as many people, but doesn't get nearly the same amount of complaining as say the data team.
3: So, so, okay, Steven, you've, you've basically jumped one step further, which is, oh, I didn't mean to Uh, do that. (laughs) No, no, that's great. No, no. Like you're already at the, you've already jumped ahead. This is great. You've already internalized. Like I'm telling you that there's enough teams that don't even have that in place, but the natural next step and you're a product thinker, just like me. So is to model your data team or your data, if you will, as a product. And it should have the same, you're right, front end is constrained. Engineers are constrained and people don't complain about it because the interface between them and the stakeholder, the user, is not an IT style, like reactive relationship. It's not like, I have requests, please fill them and then everyone feels constrained. It's here is a product, this is what you get. And there will be releases every week, quarter, day, whatever it is. And we have to aggregate the needs of all stakeholders and ship this out as a as a product. And data is undergoing that transformation now. And like only the true cream of the crop companies that I work with model data and that entire part of their infrastructure in this way. So you're just kind of correct, but you're just on the cutting edge.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, I apologize. I'll make another one, two, three joke. But then, but the the interesting thing about that is how that how, that circles back to you know our earlier conversation about hiring that marketing leader and what they think they need to be successful because the, the te- that tension point of having that like look I just need a resource I can call on and if you can't do what I need done at this minute I'm going to go get an outside party or a vendor or a contractor to do that work for me or I'm going to fail and how you design your whole product development process meaning including marketing and gtm that incorporates this notion that that isn't, that's just not how we can react and work. We're going to have a, a plan and a product approach to doing it. And that's what I've seen be the most successful.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, if I think about like courses, I want to teach or whatever, if I, if I do Deirdre style certifications, it's basically teaching people on this end of the organization, let's call it the, 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 the art of, you know, kind of software product management and product management as a whole. <laughs> cause cause it's lacking. <laughs>
1: Okay, so look, I, we might make uh, in a future episode entirely on this sort of the data topic as it's evolved marketing. And as we as we think about the last 10 minutes here, we've now covered um, product marketing and the criticality of that hire in the modern enterprise. We've talked about community, both community post-sales um, to be able to collaborate and sort of make sure that customers are really engaged and driving renewals, but also community to build evangelists and champions for a movement that ultimately then drives leads to create to create sales as we see with with Workboard. I think maybe one thing we'll do as we, as we sort of walk into the last 10 minutes here is I wanna shift back to Jeff and for the founders who are in that, let's call it founder-led marketing, founder-led product marketing, founder-led sales, founder-led everything, right? They're in that that very early innings and they wanna build out a marketing organization. There's all these discrete functions that are very specialized. How How would you advise or recommend a founder Get started, and, I, and then after after Jeff, we can hear from from the founders and CEOs. But like, what roles? Where do you start if you can't hire ten people at once and build out the full fledged marketing org? Wh- what is the place to start?
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it's a good question, and uh, and I'm going to try to answer it from the again early stage. But you know thinking about where you want to get to and the conversation that Boris and, and Stephen were having is that that is where we want to get to. you want a centralized data organization that can feed everything and it, everyone can breathe data but when you have you know 20 customers or 100 customers, you're just not there yet. I, one thing that everyone should go back and do right now is look at the last 20 customers you you 20 or whatever the, the right the right uh, multiple is but and, and map out how they got to you like literally go out and map that out. You know, where do they come from? Was they referrals? Did they come to your site? Try to do it. I mean, there's so many tools that you might have it, but map that out and have that being the start of the conversation about marketing as well. It was a conversation we we, we talked about the beginning, like the customer journeys, like understand them. You know, at least from a from a from a, a a you perspective, right? How do they get to you? And once you start doing that, you can start thinking about where you can enter the conversation in greater in greater detail and greater depth. And then you can start thinking about what you need and wh- and why. I mean, I, I will come back to the, the product marketing side. Um, if you're a a, a a founder and you're just starting to build out your your company, go find a, a product marketer. As easy as as we all said it is, but it, it doesn't have to be someone super senior. It has to be someone who understands the the, the domain subject matter. It's one, probably the one part, David. And when we were turning OpenDNS into a, a, a an enterprise security company, product marketing was really the only place where we were like, it has to be someone who understands security, who has has to be an, a subject matter expert. Like that is super super important. And like in other areas, they can learn, but in the product market arena, like that's 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 goes without uh, goes you know you can't make really an exception there. The oh, other cool. thing. Last thing, when when you want to ask the question is sort of and these three questions that I think any product marketer sort of does is one is um, you know what problems are you solving the narrative around what problems are you solving, right? What are, what are the problems in the community? What are your customers? How are you uniquely differentiated to solve them? And finally, you know what um uh what what happens when a customer uses your solution to solve it? That's the at the end of the day, if a product marketer can do that, you're in a good spot as a ten person company or a, even a five hundred person company.
2: I would say almost the opposite if you're a small company. If you're a large company for sure, but if you're and maybe it depends a little bit on what are the skills of the founder, right? And what are not the skills of the founder. And so if founder can easily sub for product marketing, then and you're and you're small, right? You're early, and maybe you have a perfect perfectly figured out what your repeatable sales model is, et cetera. My recipe has been the founder stays as product marketing. You hire brilliant visual person who can bring your thoughts quickly to life. You hire somebody who can drive campaigns and syndication, get it to the website, get it syndicated in the world, drive the campaigns and outreach, like manage the, if you will, the proliferation, the amplification of the smart message, leveraging all the insight the founder has, visually presented in a beautiful way, syndicated broadly, and then you hire a data person. And if that's the first core team that can iterate really quickly while you're still figuring out exactly how to land deal after deal after deal, I think that is a, in some ways a faster, more scalable way in the early days, if and only if the founder can really do a good job in that PMM role.
0: The, the only thing, the only thing that I would, I would uh, counter to that is like, pro- I mean, I personally believe that product marketing is a true specialization and a function, and like, and, and and depending on what kind of founder you are, like having someone that really understands narrative messaging, positioning, pricing, all of those things, early or late, you know, something that 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 you know we should look into as uh, as young companies as well. But
2: pro- totally good. spot. It's a if and only if, right? Like if that's a core strength of the founder and that's a hard hire, then give yourself permission not to fill that chair. Fire yourself from something else.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, I, I, like I, the idea I totally agree. It's
3: different order of like firing yourself. Like there's a different order. <laughs> Ian, what, what were you going to say?
4: Just, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to, uh, you're starting a company, you have your first few hires, you have to compliment. You, you, you have to hire in you ways. Know, I think we've lost your audio a little bit, Ian. You you know, in the in the early days, you really there's a lot that needs doing. You as the founder are gonna be responsible ultimately for the the message of what your what your product is and what you're trying to bring to the world. And so just you're you're not gonna have headcount to hire four marketers. You've gotta hire one who can complement you in the areas that, that you need work. For us, it was really, really important as we closed our first hundred customers to understand and measure like where, where those leads were coming from to set up a, a clear funnel and flow and make sure every lead was going into Salesforce, attributed properly, and so that we could learn uh, very quickly what channels were gonna be effective and what were gonna uh, what was gonna work before we started investing in, in any kind of paid uh, you know demand generation activities. So just really trying to get the systems right to the degree you can. It's incomplete data in the early days. You, you're not gonna have a a data warehouse full of full of information to act on, but to, to the degree you can draw conclusions. Uh, measuring it early is, is what helps you find your way to to to
3: market fit. Ian, yeah, I'm just going to double down on one thing you said. Of course you don't start necessarily your company on day 1 with a data warehouse. We can get into that conversation, but I think the the thing that Steven said earlier about, you know, it should be like a product problem. I think my favorite feature of how products operate t- product teams operate is to iterate. And you don't have to have perfect data. I'm with you, and but building a system of any kind is super valuable, even if it starts with let's just track one coarse grained, you know, piece of information like where they came from, and then you can start to have a, a, a an iterative loop on how you improve on that, both on marketing and on every other part of go to market. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the longer you wait to
4: to start measuring that data, the harder it gets, right? Because you have to go yeah. back and attribute a mess. So if you can start up front with just at least capturing attribution out of the gate, it, it it's, it's a big win as you build on that.
1: As we wrap up here, because we're at the top of the hour, um, Deidre, as you were speaking, and, and uh, I was thinking you are one of the world class product marketers out there. And, uh, I was unsurprised to hear you say that, you know, you know, you then compliment with the people that can present the, the content and message and, and measure and run the campaigns and programs. And I was thinking that you know, I think founders fall into three categories. They are great product marketers and they know it, they are not great product marketers and they know it, or they're not great product marketers, but they think they're great product marketers. And it's that middle the middle category is the one where pain ensues for, for a long time. Um, and uh, me- measuring is certainly one way that uh, I think founders figure out where their strengths are and where they should go. Th- this has been a, a really awesome discussion. Um, we just are scratching the surface, but I think we really nicely went deep into product marketing, into community, into the criticality of data. Um, we're going to keep talking about these things. We're going to do this show every two weeks. As a reminder, we do record the show. If you did speak on the show, we might use your profile image uh, in the future. Thank you for those of you that sent in questions on Twitter and were DMing them to me. Um, If you have ideas for future shows or people you want us to have on the shows or topics to cover, uh, feel free to send them in over Twitter. And thanks to all of you for joining, Uh, and Stephen and Jeff for uh, really engaging. And I know Deidre, Boris and Ian, you have companies to run. So thank you for your time and for everyone who listened.
4: Thank you. Thank you. It was fun.
1: Thanks so much.
4: Thanks a lot, everyone.